Today's scripture is from the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verse 6 through 27. So the presidents and the satraps conspired and came to the king and said to him, O oh, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an interdict that whoever prays to anyone, divine or human, for thirty days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions. Now, O king, establish the interdict and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the interdict. Although Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he continued to go to his house, which had windows in his upper room open toward Jerusalem, and to get down on his knees three times a day to pray to his God and praise him, just as he had done previously. The conspirators came and found Daniel praying and seeking mercy before God. Then they approached the king and said concerning the interdict, O king, did you not sign an interdict that anyone who prays to anyone divine or human, within thirty days except you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions? The king answered, The thing stands fast, according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they responded to the king, Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the interdict you have signed, but he is saying his prayers three times a day. When the king heard the charge, he was very much distressed. He was determined to save Daniel, and until the sun went down, he made every effort to rescue him. Then the conspirators came to the king and said to him, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no interdict or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king gave the command, and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you faithfully serve, deliver you. A stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet of his lords, so that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No food was brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then, at break of day, the king got up and hurried to the den of lions. When he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out anxiously to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you faithfully serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel then said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no wrong. Then the king was exceedingly glad 
and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in God. The king gave a command, and those who had accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. Before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all of their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples and nations of every language throughout the whole world, may you have abundant prosperity. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people should tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, for he has saved Daniel from the power of lions. Well, this is quite a story. Human beings thrown into the pit of lions, intrigue and drama at the king's court, a power grab gone wrong for those seeking power, conspiracy, lies, faithfulness, possible conversion, and more. There's a lot going on here. But we might wonder how it is that we're here with Daniel on the lions in the first Sunday of Advent. We are following the narrative lectionary this year, and honestly, being here with Daniel feels a little unfamiliar and even a bit of a strange place to begin a season of hopeful anticipation. At the beginning of Advent, we are more accustomed to hearing the eloquent words from God's prophets, maybe Jeremiah or Isaiah, speaking across time to offer us encouragement and warning about God's plan and God's dream for us. All of God's prophets ask us to look at our lives our choices, the way we live, and to discern if we are, in fact, using our lives to prepare the way of the Lord. Of course, Daniel is a prophet too, but with Daniel we get fewer words, more action. So here at the lion's den with Daniel, we have the opportunity to enter into the action and observe and reflect upon the use and misuse of power happening at the Persian court of King Darius. Now, power dynamics are a tricky thing and something that we often don't care to talk about. But this story does not allow us to ignore power. This story is full of the possibilities humans have to use their limited power. And so at the beginning of this Advent season, let us take this opportunity held out to us to think about the power of our actions as Christians to prepare the way of the Lord. We need to talk about power, and we need to get comfortable with that. But most importantly, we need to be honest about how we use and misuse our power as Christians, because we negotiate the use of our power every day, and we are responsible for how we use our power. Learning to use the power available to us begins 
very young, and it is something that we develop and nuance throughout our lives. I see power negotiated in my living room every day. I do. <laughs> Many of you know that I have twin three-year-old sons, and recently the tattling has begun. I hear my young sons playing and getting along and having fun, but it's never too long before the disagreement begins. And inevitably, I hear one say to the other, I'm going to tell my mom on you. Now, as I imagine parents everywhere can relate to, sometimes I actually prefer that they inform on one another rather than be co-conspirators. For example, if one child thinks it's a fabulous idea to create an accent wall in his bedroom by drawing a mural of his favorite scene from, say, Kung Fu Panda, I really would prefer that his twin tell me about that rather than pick up a crayon and join the fun. However, more often than not, the threat to tell my mom on you is loosely translated as, I'm not getting my way. I don't really have a lot of skills to work this out with you yet. So I'm going to what I consider to be the ultimate authority to stop you from displeasing me in any way. Anne and I have consistently decided to ask our children a question when they come to tell on their brother. We ask them, are you telling this, are you telling me this to help or are you telling me this to hurt? I'm not really convinced they get the distinction at three years old, but I am aware that they're experimenting with the use of their power, and we're trying to set a foundation for a lifetime here. I want them to ask themselves these questions throughout their formative years. When you decide to use your power, when your needs and wants bring you into conflict with the needs and wants of others, are you, use, are you using the power that you have to help, or are you using it to hurt? Well, as we get older and more sophisticated and life takes on more complexity, these questions become more nuanced. The question becomes, who are we using our power to help, and who are we using our power to hurt? How are we using our power to help, and how? Are we using our power to hurt? As Christians seeking to be disciples of Christ, we are familiar with these questions, but they are tricky and more complicated than they seem. Power, the threat to power, the choice to hurt another by not using the power available to us, all figure into how we shape ourselves as disciples and use what God has given us to be co-creators and agents of transformation in the world. So the story of the players involved at Daniel and the Lion's Den give us an opportunity to engage and reflect on this complexity, because if we are being honest, we can probably see each of these examples in ourselves. The first demonstration of power the threat to power, contending with that threat and taking action is by the leaders of the kingdom who, along with Daniel, serve under King Darius. Their conspiratorial actions demonstrate the misuse of power 
based in anxiety and fear. When we come into the action of the story today, we enter into a story of conflict. The king has recognized in Daniel an excellent spirit that distinguishes him from the other leaders. And the king is therefore planning to appoint Daniel over the whole kingdom. This has upset the other leaders, and they conspire against Daniel. Because of Daniel's faithfulness, they cannot find any evidence against him. So they manipulate the king into passing a law that would convict Daniel for continuing his faithful practice. They set Daniel up by using the power of the system that they understand and legislation to use Daniel's faith against him. This was an organized, thought out, use of power that was designed to hurt and presumably kill another human being that posed a perceived threat to the ambitions of those who already possessed political power. Although I trust that none of us have taken the anxiety of the threat to our power to this extreme, all of us should be able to relate to the anxiety we feel when our power or our connection to those in power is under threat. Feeling powerless to act, to change one's circumstances, brings us face to face with our own vulnerability and dependence, and it's uncomfortable. Next, there's King Darius. He is king, and he has the power to declare into law that everyone should worship only him. But he's a very flawed human being, who at important points in the narrative is ineffective, impulsive, and irresponsible with the power that he has. He is able to perceive an excellent spirit in Daniel, but then he is easily manipulated by the group of leaders that want to hurt Daniel. King Darius represents an inconsistent use of power. He demonstrates what happens when we refuse to acknowledge the power that we have and act accordingly, responsibly. He is not someone who consistently demonstrates that he has the courage of his convictions. And rather than taking responsibility for his mistakes, he hopes that the problem he created will be solved for him and is thankful that he is ultimately saved from himself. Darius is the most ambiguous character in the story, and I found that this was reflected in the various commentaries that I read. Some scholars portray him as a victim of sorts, while others have little patience for his ability to be so easily manipulated. To me, he seems untrustworthy, someone you cannot count on. If I were in his court, it would never be lost on me, that he keeps a den of lions for the sole purpose of tearing apart human flesh, and is impulsive, capricious, and easily manipulated into using them for that purpose. But it's not surprising that he's the most ambiguous character in this drama, because perhaps the most ambiguous misuse of our power that we face as human beings is when we refrain from acting as we should. Again, I trust that none of us have ever had the power and the responsibility of a king, but we should all be able to relate to times when we have the power to do something, 
and refuse to fully acknowledge the power that we have because we didn't want the responsibility that came with it. When we have made mistakes and used our power unwittingly to help those with bad intentions or misused our power by choosing not to use it to raise someone with less access to power up. Finally, we have Daniel, a man of few words, but significant action. Daniel brings together the complexity of the access to power and the vulnerability that we all experience. He's a powerful governor at Darius's court. He's also an outsider, a faithful Jew. His practice of prayer distinguishes him from the other people at court. And it is this distinction that gave his enemies an opportunity to use the law to have him killed. But Daniel's use of power has integrity because it is located in his faithfulness. Daniel continues to pray to God. He does so with the windows open, facing Jerusalem three times each day. His faithful practice is a part of who he is. He could have hidden his prayer for 30 days. He could have closed his window and prayed in secret. He could have stopped praying for 30 days. But his choice to pray openly and honestly, to continue to do what he believed was right, just, and faithful, in a land of capricious and impulsive or conspiratorial and dangerous rulers, demonstrates strength through integrity. His practices reflect not only his identity, they form it. Therefore, when it comes to the use of his own power, the only decision is to act out of the person he has become through his faith. Daniel resisted the temptation to align himself with those people at court who seemed to have the power over life and death. And he remained faithful to God, whose power is steadfast, trustworthy, and used for justice and righteousness. And we can all relate to Daniel, too. We are being formed by our faith. Through our practices, we are being shaped in our discipleship to be disciples of the God who came to be God with us. People will fail us. People will misuse power. People who feel threatened by others will come together to persecute those who are different. We know this. But as Christians, as those who strive to form our identities first and foremost as disciples of Christ, we need to ask ourselves constantly about how are we using the power that we have been afforded, because the answer to that question is how our discipleship takes form. Am I using my power to hurt? How am I using my power to hurt or help? Who am I using my power to hurt or help? We look to the gospel accounts of Jesus and how he used his power. We know that Jesus used his power to protect those who were vulnerable, the marginalized. And he used his power to challenge those who were exploitive. 
And it may seem like the hard work of discipleship is to model ourselves into, into disciples by consistently using our power to help those who are vulnerable among us. But I want to suggest that that's actually not the hard part. That the hard part is being consistently honest and clear about who the most vulnerable among us is and to use our power to serve their interests. Who are the widows and orphans of today? This is the harder part because we are all aware that we are vulnerable and that dependence is part of the human condition. So when we think about using our power to protect the vulnerable, we can too easily justify the use of our power to help those that are not the most disenfranchised by the current systems and powers that be. But the good news is that being a disciple of Christ is not a once and done prospect. Being a disciple means that we are committed to forming ourselves through our thoughts, our actions, our choices, our behaviors, each and every day of our lives. It means that we actively resist the temptation to use our power to serve ourselves and our own interests while remaining blind to the plight of those who are disenfranchised. I'd like to end today by sharing with you the words of the Reverend Dr. J. Herbert Nelson, who is the stated clerk and highest ecclesial officer of our denomination. Reverend Nelson wrote these words in an open letter, which was released just over a week ago, entitled, When Incivility is the Norm. He writes, we hold close our Muslim, Hispanic, African-American, immigrant, and LGBTQ neighbors, and those from other marginalized groups. We hold close the women who give us life, and the poor for whom daily bread is not promised. He continues, as Christians, we cannot accept a nation that normalizes violence, exclusion, and racism in our political rhetoric and public policy. We know that God has called us to co-create a world where a dignified life is available to all, and anything less offers no suitable worship. In the coming months and years, from everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from the one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. God has entrusted each with the ability to faithfully discern the best use of the gift of power that we have been given. God came to be God with us in Jesus, and he taught us how to live. The Holy Spirit guides and sustains us, speaking to our hearts the will of God for us. When we strive to be faithful disciples, aligning our hopes, dreams, thoughts, actions with the life, ministry, and witness of Jesus Christ, we find that we dare to be like Daniel, who through his faith aligned himself with the ultimate power of the universe, the God of love. This is our Advent hope. Love is stronger than hate, because a light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen.